Armada. We're going to have a look at the Armada. Many are searching for answers far and wide. We just sung that, yeah? It's true. <laughs> um, there's a lot of people want to know answers to life, and they're looking in all sorts of places. And uh, they don't always look in the church for the answers, do they? Because they're not convinced we've got the answers. But um, this, is, this is from a local paper. Is this the Kent on Sunday, Chrissy? Kent on Sunday paper. Um, and uh, they uh, had a little interview with the mayor of Gravesham. What's his name? His name is Michael Wenban, who's lived in this area for um, 70 years. So this, his question they put to him, if you could meet any famous person, dead or alive, who would it be? There are so many people that I have lots of respect for that I would love to meet, but I guess the one person that could perhaps answer any questions that I have would be Jesus. Now, that really would be pretty amazing. I thought, I think we can do something about that. (laughs) Because if we can't, then I'm not sure what we're offering. You can read that, and Chrissy says, we ought to do something about that. I thought, she's right. You see, because if we can't introduce people to Jesus, then I'm not sure what we are doing. That is the gospel, isn't it? Is, is to introduce and yeah, we. I'm going to be talking about the Armada. What's the, what's the purpose of of uh, the Armada? I'm going to try and look into that today, and then a few weeks' time, I'll just be looking about how how it in more detail of how this this works and you know training. Um, but Armada is, is 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 a military term, isn't it? It's, it's not a, it's not a term associated with cruise liners. You don't have an armada of cruise liners, do you? It's, it's, it's uh, an armada that takes you in a military context, into a military mindset where you, you're, you know, you're, you're needing to conquer territory. Um, so I've been praying about this and thinking about it and, and preparing for it. And um, this, is, this is a newspaper article from well, during the Second World War because there are different... Uh, concepts of armada, but and I've been thinking. Well, you know, you can think of this. We have the Spanish armada is the one you put the name to, isn't it? And um, but there have been other armadas throughout history. But um, if you had to ask yourself, the probably the biggest armada in terms of the number of boats involved, which would it be in history? It's Dunkirk. Dunkirk is the answer. Now. I don't know how many years ago, but Dave Stevens, where are I? Dave Stevens actually had a prophecy for us as a church that, that, that Dunkirk was a model for us, wasn't it? Probably 10 years or more ago. Um, so I just thought I'd have a look on, just Googled it and, and found out a little bit about uh, the Dunkirk Armada. It says, every conceivable kind of small boat that could propel itself or be towed over the channel was sent across, even if it was only capable of doing one trip. The main function of the boats was to ferry soldiers from the beach to the destroyers. Drifters and tugs. <laughs> from the destroyers, you think, yeah, understand destroyers, drifters and tugs, which would then take them back to Britain. And there was no lack of volunteers for the dangerous mission. Among them were Navy and Army officers on leave, accountants, clerks, fishermen, besides other assorted trays and two members of the Treasury. I thought it was quite interesting that they had to point out that there were two members of the Treasury who, who took part in this. In this. Um, 
he goes on to say that there's, there's a couple of guys who even volunteered to canoe across <laughs> with an outboard motor on the canoe and their offer was taken up because they said if we can only save one person from that beach it will be worthwhile the Admiralty got phone calls from the Dutch and Belgian governments asking if they could join in this amazing mission a rescue mission didn't just rescue the British forces but it put a significant number of the French army as well without which we probably would have not won the Second World War if the British Army, the British Expeditionary Force had been wiped out. And I think it was about a third of the French Army was, was actually saved through Dunkirk. Then the course of history would have been different. And we would probably live in a different world where our freedom would be certainly different. And uh, so the concept of Armada is, is very much one that you can get your brain around. Well, I've said an armada is not, not a congr- uh, sort of collection of cruise ships. You know, one of, our greatest, one of our greatest weapons is joy. Isn't it? Yes. So I'm not going to try and get you, all right, we're going into battle mode, so now we get really serious. Because <laughs> that, that is a mistake sometimes. When you think of spiritual warfare, you think, right, we're going to get, going to grip my teeth and do it now. And that is a big mistake. That is the enemy's tactics. Because we don't fight with his weapons. Our weapons are not carnal, it says. Our weapons are different. We, are, we have spiritual weapons. And um, Vicky Shorts actually was, did, did a bit of research on uh, the Spanish Armada um, this week and sent some stuff to me. And, uh, and Vicky knows quite a bit because she actually used to work in Chatham dockyards. Um, if you want to visit... A naval dockyard. There's one not far away, just down the road. And it's, it's worth going to see um, from a historical point of view. It's good for kids as well. If, and that. But um, she said that one of the things that happened during uh, the battle with the Spanish Armada is that uh, the, uh, the, the I'd probably say it's fair to say English rather than British ships, um, actually started to run out of ammunition. Um, so they decided that they would... Uh, take hold of the, the Spanish ammunition so that they could fire their cannons. Do you know what happened? Wrong size. It didn't fit. It didn't fit. And, and here's, here's it's a really good point. You cannot use the devil's ammunition to win our warfare. And that's a really important... So when, when, when we say, right, we're going to go armada mode and you go, you go serious on me, then we've already made a mistake. That's the first tactical error. Now, I, what I want to say, I'm serious in intent. I'm dead serious in intent. But I, I refuse to play by the devil's rules. And we must refuse to play by the devil's rules. So, um, so this, is our, this is our mission. We have a mission, okay? Uh, I believe it's our mission to enable people to live in light, in freedom, in joy, in love, in peace, in health, with dreams and in harmony, connected to the amazing Father God who we know and love. That'd be a good mission, wouldn't it, to be on? <coughs> How do we do that? We do that by introducing them to Jesus. Yes. I'm so glad somebody introduced me to Jesus. It's over 40 years ago now. 40 years. 
Our mission, you want to know what it is? Oh, you want to write it down? I went too fast for you. Okay. Our mission is that people might live in light, in freedom, in joy, in love, in peace, in health, with dreams, in harmony, and connected to our amazing Father God. It says this in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says this, For though we live in the world, because we live in this world, don't we? We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So I want you to know, see, that what is the devil's mission? Because it's really important to understand what his mission is if you're going to overcome it. Destroy, kill. It, it actually tells you, tells you in this passage, it, it tells you quite clearly what his mission is. See, he sets self strongholds, what? Against what? See, it's in, it's in verse 5. So, against the knowledge of God is what it says. See, see the devil wants to stop people knowing God. That's his mission. That's really what he's after. And um, so if he can get us on the wrong track and we don't portray Jesus in a, you know, in a truthful way, then he will have succeeded with us and through us. <coughs> so the, the enemy's mission is to destroy, and also I believe this, is to distort the knowledge of God. Now, I'm not talking about just a, a sort of a theoretical what God's like, but actually knowing him. And how many people on planet Earth have a distorted view of God the Father and the Holy Spirit? Most people, most people catch on to Jesus, but actually they... they but the, you know, what's, the, what's the Father like? What's the Holy Spirit like? And I find it very, very sad, um, in all honesty, that, that there are many churches... Um, who really uh, are quite frightened of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that strange? Because we haven't been given a spirit of fear. So, so to be frightened of the Holy Spirit, and oh, what, you know, or to be a bit bored with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's a real tragedy. So, you know, I remember... Oh, it's happened over the course of years when people say, oh, oh yeah, one of those Holy Spirit meetings. Yeah, we've done, those. We've done them. Well, what do you mean you've done them? <laughs> it's like this it's sort of a box of chocolates you've eaten and that's the end. You know, you think, done that, yeah, had enough. No, 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 he's the infinite eternal God. You can never get to the end. There should, there should never be enough. It's <laughs> just, you can hear that. Oh. How can you ever be bored with him? But do you understand? That's why the, the, the enemy is successful. In his, and he, it says he has schemes. It says it's, and 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11 says this. <laughs> and this is Paul. And Paul was obviously ahead of the game, you know, as far as if you're in reference to us. He says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. I'm thinking, oh, if only that was true of us. 
Because I think we, we, we are unaware of his schemes. And we play into his schemes. But you know what? Time's changing. It really is. And um, <clears throat> I just love it. Things, things are happening on planet Earth. <clears throat> they really are. And it's just exciting to hear what God is doing across the whole world. So probably since we were here last Sunday, about two million people have been born again in the world. Yeah. yeah. Two two million people. We win. Two million times this week. You're part of that army, you see. So, because it's ever so interesting to think, oh, this is just isolated. No, no, we are part of a big army. But actually, you then actually have to work out what you do in your locality. And that's why I know I'm, I'm, I'm very confident that heaven's a happy place because it says with every sin and repentance, there's a party. So, so we, when you say I want heaven on earth, you, you got, you're in for a party. That's what you, you signed up for, party time. It should be joyful. It, sh- it should be an outrage and party poppers. There's no surprise there's a lot of glitter around. <laughs> this guy's doing his party popper stuff. You know, he's like, boom, have, one, have some of that. Wow. <laughs> last Sunday I was preaching, and um, last Sunday evening, I was here, and this, this sort of um, little glass sort of bead appeared literally out of nowhere here. Wow, that's cool. Because he can create something out of nothing. Yesterday I was talking to somebody in in um, conference we were at in Leicester. And he came up to me and said, oh, I was at Eastgate last Sunday. And, I, and he said, and, and my wife, um, she's had a bad shoulder for, for quite a length of time. And it, she was healed during the worship. Yeah. <laughs> now, what, happened, what testimony did we have at the beginning of last Sunday morning? Shoulder get healed. So what do we pray for last Sunday morning? First thing, before we ever got around to worship, we pray for shoulders to be healed. What did God do? He healed lady's shoulder. This week I got a, a, an email through, or we got an email through, it came from Karen. Because last, I, last week I told you the story of a lady who got healed of cancer last January. Yeah, She came to our healing rooms, on the, our healing centre on the 3rd of January. And on the 13th of, of January, when she had a surgery to open her up to, to try and remove as much of the cancer as they could, although it's a, actually a, an incurable cancer, when they opened her up, the surgeons were astounded to find she had no, no sign of cancer in her abdomen whatsoever. Now, <laughs> this, is, this is an old lady, and it's the daughter who's actually given us the story. We've got the full story of this. And um, this, this old lady who keeps going back to the doctor, because you will, if you're a doctor, you will keep checking, because... In your frame of reference, which is a correct frame of reference, you need to understand this from a doctor's frame of reference. We need to keep checking your hand, cancer hasn't come back. Yeah, that's that's what they should. That's their job. It's not. The, and can I just say this? When, when when doctors make a diagnosis, they are not cursing anybody. They're just telling what is true. And we've got to resist that idea that doc, doctors do not curse you with a diagnosis. They just tell you what's true. All right, doctors are good. They're not bad. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> It's, it's just, I hear a lot of nonsense about this. It drives me wild. I think, oh, no, I'm just telling you the truth. It's, not, it's, not, it's up to you what you do with that. You know, but it's, anyway, but this dear, dear old lady, she keeps on going back. So, so she's making, it, she says, it, it, the daughter says, it, so it's, it's making it a, a battle for her to believe that she's been fully healed. So 
Her daughter was, was, was actually heading off somewhere in Kent last Sunday, but decided she'd sneak into Eastgate for the morning. Where we celebrated her mum's healing. So she, this daughter then goes back and tells her mum, you know, there's a whole church up there in Kent celebrating your healing. It really is true. It's a funny environment to be honest. Isn't that amazing? You think, oh God, you set all these things up. It's beautiful what he does. <clears throat> and one of the things, one of the things that is helping us to be uh, more aware of what the devil's schemes are is prophetic revelation. And I talked about that last, last uh, Sunday. If you weren't here last Sunday morning, oh, um, it's worth getting the, the, the message from that. Sunday evening also I did the um, same message, but it came out differently. So if you want to re- really gorge yourself, then listen to the two of them because they, they've got slightly different aspects to them. But um, see, I, I'm, I'm just excited. See, God's healed somebody without us having to touch them. Why? Who touched them? Yeah, Holy Spirit was here. He is here. Somebody reached out in worship, touched Jesus, and he did what he can do. And he doesn't find it difficult. Just have to create the environment where he can do his stuff. Which is light, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> I've got so many notes here. I've been studying life like crazy. I wonder, Let me just, just read a verse that, that struck me, because... See, I believe it's our responsibility to create an environment of light where darkness cannot exist. But just imagine um, imagine you go and stay in a a big country house. You've been given the keys to a big country mansion and uh, you turn up there for maybe... Maybe you're going to decide you're going to go there for your, you take your family away all together for a Christmas break and turn up. It's lovely, lovely whacking break. And you drive up the drive, got the keys, and you, you go in, and, and it's dark. What's the first thing you're searching for? Where the light switches are. Now, so if you turn the light switch on in the hallway, then what have you got? You've got, hopefully, because the electricity is connected, as long as the electricity is connected, you've got light. Yeah? But where do you need to do that if you want to use the whole house? You have to do it in every room. That is the challenge, because people say, well, we've we got light. Well, yes, we have, but have we got it in every room? Have you got light in every room of, of your, your life, for instance? Have we got it in every room of the church? Now, and this is a verse that, 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 that uh, got hold of me in this regard um, in the last few weeks, as I did, a, I've done a whole study on light and darkness. I just get my con- you know, concordance on the iPad out and up, up come all the verses. But 1 John 2 verse 9 says this, anyone who claims to be in the light, okay, so if he claims to be in the light but hates his brother, is still in the darkness. Wow. <laughs> See, there are things that we, we can let happen in our lives that mean we live in darkness, which means you cannot bring people into light. So when they come into your environment, they actually all they're in is darkness rather than light. Make sense to you? Because sometimes you say, "Well, why didn't somebody get healed? I prayed for them." Yeah, it's a bit more. There's a bit more complex because if you're praying in darkness, that's, they're going to get darkness. Yes. So, what context are all the spiritual gifts placed within? Very straightforward. One Corinthians twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Love. 
you know, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13. You know the Bible wasn't written with chapter breaks. So we, oh yeah, 1 Corinthians 13. How many of you got the fridge magnet with 1 Corinthians 13 up on you? It's very common, but actually you have to remember that the chapters about spiritual gifts are 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. 1 Corinthians 13 is there, and it says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts operate within the context of love. And, And... Again, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, if, you know, if I can prophesy like Barney Bar, speak in tongues, but I haven't got love, I'm just noisy. Yeah? And, and people don't like just noisy. They're not attracted to just noisy. But they are attracted to light. We're meant to be a light set on the hill, yeah? So, joy is light. Yeah, can I just say, Victor, a number of years ago, you read my book, didn't you? And as you read it, God just lightened you up, didn't he? You want to ask Victor some more details about it? I just, I, I just excited when, when my book first came out, Victor got it. And actually, read, and just as he read the first chapter of my book, light burst into your life, didn't it? Beautiful. And I thought, wow, thank you, Jesus. It's amazing what God can use just to burst light. It doesn't take long. I had a, another, um, an email come through to the office this week. Um, it was a lady who does e- evening school, and uh, without giving any great details away, she, it's a lady, and she basically, on the last um, session of evening school, last term, I just uh, talked to the students about the Father, heart of God, and the Father's love, and the Father's embrace, and then we did an, uh, an activation where basically people uh, encountered Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this lady then sent a, uh, a letter through to me. She said, and basically this was a sum of it, that she's... Uh, now, a lady in her 60s, and God set her free in 10 minutes from something that had lived with her for more than 60 years. In 10 minutes. In 10 minutes. Something, because, and you think, well, how does that happen? It's very simple. You think, unfortunately, that, that part of her life had, li- had been in darkness for 60 years. But all it needed was somebody to turn the light on. That's all it needed. You see, darkness does not battle with light. It gives way every time. But when we tolerate darkness, then we accommodate it and its outcomes. So, okay. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. How many of you know what Ephesians chapter 6 has got in? Armour of God. Okay, so... Romans 13, while you're turning to that, I'm going to say, Romans 13 verse 12 says this, The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. Darkness is almost done, light's coming. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. See, our armour is light. That's cool, isn't it? And your arm is not just to protect you, it's to take ground, as we're going to look. So we're going to have a quick look through Ephesians chapter 6, at the armour of God, hopefully with a sort of a slightly new aspect for you, okay? <clears throat> so Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God. So what have you got to put on? 
full armor. Half an armor's not that good to you. Seriously, you think, oh yeah, I've got my armor on. No, you've only got half it on. You know, the enemy knows where the gaps are. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. There it is again. He's a schemer. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I said that last week. People are not our enemies. We love everybody. That's, that's the job, to love everyone. But against the rulers, against the authorities, and that, that's not the, the Conservatives or the Labour Party. This, 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 or, or the local council. This, this is talking about spiritual forces, okay? It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And what's your ground? Your ground light. Your ground is light, and it's the kingdom of heaven being expressed on planet earth. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. Waist. So, the belt is the thing that holds it all into place, holds it all together. Without the belt, it doesn't sort of come all together. So, so who is the truth? Simple. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is the truth. Jesus holds it all together. And I'll come on to this. The Bible is the word of God. Yes. <clears throat> but Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the truth. And, and the Bible even says of itself, it can't contain it all. So who do you need to lead you into all truth? Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. What's, and I said this at evening school. Again, which, what is he leading you into? He's not just leading you into a better understanding of the Bible. He's leading you into a fuller understanding of who Jesus is, because Jesus is the truth. So, so you, you have everything is held together by the knowledge of who Jesus is. And you know, that is really good news. Because he doesn't change. You can always trust him. He is faithful always. With a breastplate of righteousness in place. Wow. So he goes, how righteous are you? <laughs> You're not quite sure how to answer. Very, very righteous. Very righteous. Very, very righteous. I'm very righteous. That's, that's good. Ah, you couldn't get more righteous. You really can't get more righteous. Why? Because you've got the righteousness of Jesus. That's how it holds together in him. And I've said this before, and if you, I've sermons about this uh, towards the end of last year. See, righteousness is not the same as forgiveness. Because Jesus never was forgiven for, for his sins. He carried our sins. Yeah? That, there's a big difference. Righteousness is not about the forgiveness of your sins. It's how you now stand in the right place with God in heavenly places. And the outcome of righteousness, it tells you in Psalm, I think Psalm 63, are awesome deeds. It talks about the awesome deeds of righteousness. Now what you need to be confident on is you are not a miserable sinner, no longer a slave to fear. You are a son of God and you are seated with him in heavenly places and that is your security. And you know what? That makes you bulletproof. Because when the devil comes along and accuses you, he says, that, said, no, I'm, I'm righteous. Even if you sin. Really? Did he just tell me that? Yeah, I'm sorry, I did just tell you that. It's, 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 it's outrageous. Now, I'm not excusing sin. But the Bible says, is it that, can it be that good? Does that mean I can do anything? It says, well, yes, you can, but you shouldn't. Why? Because 
if you sin, then you just happen to live in darkness and you're meant to be living in the light. And it's much better to live in the light. Darkness is not a fun place to live. That's where sin is. Sin's in darkness. Don't live there. Don't do it. What happens when you sin? You just allow the light to be turned off. Doesn't mean to say the electricity is not in place. The power is still there. But what do you have to do then? Switch it on again. That's called repentance. Then what do you do? You live in the light. When you switch the light switch on, and you keep on going, oh, but I'm still in the dark, it's, it's nonsense. Or I somehow have to earn my way back into the light. No, all you need to do is switch the light on. Because restoration is, is, is instant. So righteousness is an extraordinary thing, and that covers you. <clears throat> with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, I used to think that said that I needed to be ready to preach the gospel. It doesn't say that, I don't think. Now, it doesn't mean to say I'm not ready to preach the gospel, but it's the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. See, I've received the gospel of peace, which means my whole inner being lives in the shalom of God. That, 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 so, so I have his whole well-being within me. So I, I live at peace inside, which means I'm not anxious, I'm not worried. Because you know what anxiety, where do anxiety and, and worry stand? In the dark. So, so I live in peace, which means I live in the light. That means I'm ready to share the light. If you are anxious and bothered by things, you know what? You become preoccupied by those things. It takes away your readiness. Because we're meant to be ready. How, how do you get ready? Live in the light. Be at peace, and then you're ready. Yeah, that's why the power of something like Sozo. Yeah? What does Sozo do? Sozo just brings light to darkness, doesn't it? Basic principle. Truth overcomes lies. It's, it's basic. It's simple. It's not, it's not tricky. <clears throat> so live in peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So how many flaming arrows can you extinguish? All of them. Now, I, I suggest to you, and this is probably a good suggestion, is that the you here is plural, not singular. Because what we often do is think, oh, well, I'll just hold up my individual shield of faith. The, the, the picture is actually of the Roman army. And the individual shield only protected one little aspect... The Roman army had its shield, and you know, you've seen those pictures where they are, I'm not sure what they called them, they, you know, they put all their shields together, front, back, sides, top, even. That only worked if they did it together. And there are some warnings in the Bible, and, and you've heard me talk about this, again, towards the back end of last year, I talked about the difference between selfish ambition and godly ambition. Selfish ambition is definitely in darkness. It's, it's, a, it's a political manoeuvring for, for, for position, whereas actually godly ambition is, is, is there to elevate other people to be what they're meant to be. Your life lives to serve others rather than gain position for yourself. Um, and uh, in, in, in 1 Thessalonians, it talks about um, uh, rebuking the unruly, um, Encourage the timid and help the weak. Now, those are really important uh, concepts. I'll just try and... Yeah, I've got just time to, to tuck into these. Because when you're going into to battle, sometimes it can be scary. Yeah. So if you're scared, what do you need? Encouragement. What does encouragement... What's the word encouragement do? It means to put courage in you. 
Do you know when you hear good news? That's meant to put courage in you. You hear, hey, somebody got healed in our place last week. Yeah! So I've got courage to go out there and do the same. What happens if you're feeling a bit weak? Now, weak, weak, weak and timid are different. Weak is, uh, you just run out of steam. You know, I'm struggling to hold my shield up. Okay, let me help you. Let me hold it with you. That's, that's help. The word for unruly, and it's, it's got really bad translation in the NIV, it, which it says idle. Idle is just a bad translation. It means unruly. It's the Greek word ataktos, and it literally means to break ranks. That's what it means. It means, and it says you rebuke those people. So imagine the picture is this, that you're all together in your Roman sort of thing, and somebody says, I'm going to do my own thing now. You go, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a nice idea. You're free. Yeah, we live in a freedom culture. Just, yeah, yeah, off you go. Good luck. Now, why do you come back here? Because they're about to die. And also, they're about to let other people die. Breaking ranks is not a good idea. Now, you say, hey, I thought we were free. Well, you are. But we're free to fight together. And if you just think, I'm going to go and do my own thing, then that is selfish. Do you understand? That is dangerous because it says very clearly in James that selfish ambition and jealousy lead to disorder and every evil practice, that they allow the enemy in. You don't want to open up a gap in the defences so that he can come in because he will wreak as much havoc as he possibly can. We fight this battle together. So when we hold up, and you know what? We were doing this last night. We were praying for some dear friends. Kim and I have dropped in on the way back. And I won't say who necessarily. You know, and they were, they were, I'd say they were weakened by circumstance. Would you say? Which was fair. So, so, you know what? You just sit down. We're going to put our shields around you because we can protect you with our shields. You're too weak at the moment. We recognize that. Just sit down. We are now going to shield you with our faith. Why? There's no rebuke in that. You've well done. You've been going. You've been battling hard. You know, let us help you. Let's, let us just step in right now. God, you. That's fighting together. It's not just heroic, click on going no matter what. No, actually, sometimes we just have to say, actually, I'm feeling a bit... And it's no shame in feeling a bit weak. You know, I think I, I expressed it last week, last Sunday. I, 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 been a, I've had a, a, a patch of, of, of difficulty, weakness, because it was the 10th anniversary of my mother's death. And I found it really tough. Honestly did. Unusually so for me. And, you know, I'm for Kim. And I just needed help. You know, some, some, I know some people think, some of you think I'm just bulletproof. No, I, no I, I, I can be weak as well. And when I'm weak, I need help. Okay? And when you're weak, you need help. What you don't need to be is rebuked at that moment in time. rebuke is, is reserved for the breaking ranks and putting us all in danger which is what it talks about it's why division is such a dangerous thing in church life yeah. because if we allow darkness into us it's not just us who suffers the world doesn't get to see the light okay <clears throat> okay take the helmet of salvation oh, I'm safe for all eternity I haven't got time to go this. I just love oh, have that on your head you know, because some people take their helmet off. Don't take your helmet off. Do you know what? I want to tell you this, because this, this, this does bother some Christians. If you are saved, if you've been born again, you can never lose your salvation. 
But it's really important to know that. Because I'm oh, I'm not sure I'm saved. Yeah, if you were saved, you're saved. Why? How do I know that? It says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Holy Spirit's given to you as a seal guaranteeing your inheritance. If God guarantees something, it is guaranteed. Doesn't matter what you do. Do you know what? There's nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Nothing can separate me from your love. Isn't that fantastic? That's what it means to be saved. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I... Um, Kim, can you just give me my rucksack? The Word of God is more than just the Bible. It includes the Bible, but Jesus is the Word of God. But I was just reminded today, I was thinking, oh goodness, I'm just praying and preparing this morning, and God reminded me of a book that I recommended, oh, donkeys years ago, and people laugh about it with me, it's called The Hippo in the Garden. Now, some of you have been in this church a long time ago, oh, Pete's on about The Hippo in the Garden again. But it's by, a book by James Ryle. It says, hearing the voice of God in the 21st century, because I believe what it means when the word of God is, is the ability to hear what he's saying. And he speaks in so many different ways. And this book is, is, a, is genius at it. And it describes that you can hear God through scripture, through prophetic ministry, through dreams and visions, natural realm, supernatural, the voice of the Lord. Um, so I just thought, oh, and it happened to, literally, literally I got it and I thought, oh, because I, I, I couldn't, it's so long since I've read it, I thought, I wonder if I still agree with it. Which is a bit risky, because I've recommended it, like, oh, I hope I still agree with this book. Um, and it fell open to page 128, and now listen to this. Just, I'll finish with, all oh, the children's work, okay, sorry. We're gonna, I'm going to read this, and then we're going to do a bit of praying, if that's all right. So this is, this, James Ryle says this, A few years ago, I had stopped at a traffic light when a man on a motorcycle roared up beside me. His bike was customised, his leather jacket decked with various insignias, and his demeanour fierce. As I looked at him, the Holy Spirit asked me, what do you see, James? And I answered rather matter-of-factly, I see a biker. I then looked across the street and saw a man walking out of the bank. He was dressed in a pinstripe business suit and carried an expensive leather briefcase. What do you see there? The Spirit asked me, and I answered, I see a banker. Finally, I saw a man in the park. Now, I have to remember, this is where you've got to remember, this, this book is American, okay? Finally, I saw a man in the park emerging from the shrubs. He was dirty, unshaven, and nil-clad. Evidently, he had spent the night sleeping in the park and was, wake, and was waking up to yet another useless day. Again, I heard the question, and what do you see there? And I answered, I see a bum. I told you it was American. All this happened within a few seconds. That means a tramp if you've not got tramps. All this happened within a few seconds. And as I answered aloud, I heard my own words, a biker, a banker, and a bum. (laughs) The alliteration caught me off guard. And in that unsuspecting moment, I heard the spirit say, now listen to this, that's the trouble with you, James. You've been touched once by me and have just enough vision to be judgmental and opinionated. You see people as trees, as things to be labelled and categorised. That is not how I see them. That biker, that banker and that bum are men who each need my love, even as you do. I want to touch you again so that you can look clearly through my eyes and see people as people. The Lord desires for each of us to be hidden in him, not seeking our own glory or espousing our own opinions. He wants us to see through his eyes the true needs of others and to witness the power of selfless love, the power of selfless love in giving them the light of life. I thought, thank you, Jesus.
He wants us to see through his eyes the true needs of others and to witness the power of selfless love in giving them the light of life. That's our mission. And God's giving us a new weapon of increased standard, which is of increased prophetic revelation. And I can say this, where Kim and I have just been the last couple of years in Leicester, um, it's been a good conference, but they're saying they're actually hosting a conference with George and Benoff and Sean Boltz in February half term. Um, I would suggest if you can get there, do, because there's going to be a level of, 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 of uh, release of prophetic anointing and revelation that I think is going to be a breakthrough for this country. I honestly do believe that. I believed that before I went and they were talking about it. And I, I remember I said to you last week that there's a, there's a book, that Sean Boltz's book, Translating God. It's not just a, explaining the level we're at, it's taking us into the next level. And that's, again, people are saying this book takes us to the next level. So, so there's, a, there's a sort of a, a common cry going out across, across the land that something is happening. It, it ends up by saying this at, at the end of this. It says... Once you've got the arm, because sometimes we think that's the armor of God, but then it goes on to say, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. You know, prayer is one of our weapons. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. And um, verse 19 says, Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I may, I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. And I just. Thought if we could take a couple of minutes, I'd like us to pray. I'd like us to pray for the free school to come through. I want you to imagine a school on that plot of land. Just visualize it right now, which is a free school, which we have the management and fantastic opportunity of, of influencing of lives for generations to come through education. That is a battleground right now spiritually. It really is. I'm not saying that against people. We're not against people, but you know what? Who would try? Why? Because we're trying to. We would love to, to, to light to shine in the education arena. I'd like us to pray for. I'd like us to pray for Evesleet Garden City as a whole. The whole development is starting to happen. You know, activity is now on site. This city is getting built around us. Wouldn't it be wonderful for this city to be known as a city of light, city of shining lights? can make a song out of that, I think. I'd like you to pray for us as we, as we approach the National Health Service with the Healing Centre. The National Health Service needs help. It is, it, is, it is a hard place to work right now. We've got answers for that. And I'd like, I can ask you, I'd like you to pray for me, because within the next uh, few weeks... Next, next weekend I'll be in Milton Keynes. A few days after that I'll be in Paris. Um, then I'm speaking to the New Wine Network in North London. Um, then I'm off to Sweden on a mission trip, and, uh, talking to a whole group of churches there. They're gathering because they want to understand how we do what we do here. That's a common theme. And just this last few, few days, people kept coming up to me in the conference saying, um, how do you do what you do at Eastgate? There's a question out there. And for me, it's, the question is, how do, you, how, do, is how do you turn that light on? And, and we've, we've learned some things. And God told us to be forerunners. Yeah? But that wasn't so that we could be exclusive. The job is to, to run ahead 
to gain ground so that other people can gain it more quickly. That's what we've done. That's been part of our battleground. And uh, God is giving us many, many opportunities. Um, and I'd love you to pray for me because I need a lot of wisdom right now. I've just taken up, <laughs> taken up the right ones. But also releasing other people. Like, we had a fantastic team went off to Wren. What was it? Denver had a great time in Wren, the Faroe Islands. There's, you know, in four weeks, four weeks' time, I think we'll have uh, mission teams out in six different places, two in France, one in Spain, one in Sweden, and two others are here in the UK. You know, God is, is giving us opportunities, but we need to pray. And so I'd, love you to, I'd like us to stand together and uh, just take a few moments to pray before we go and have our, well, we have our ministry time, before we have our refreshments. Prayer is not just something we do as a routine. It really is a weapon of warfare. <sighs> so just pray down there. Just whatever, how it fancies you. I want you to pray for the free school, for Ebfleet Garden City, for the healing centre, for the whole Eastgate environment, and then the opportunities that are being placed in front of us to help this nation and other nations. So you can raise your voice or pray quietly. Don't just follow me. I'm not going to be doing all the praying, but let's, let's join together. Let's put our, put our shields of faith together in this way and actually say, yeah, we're taking this ground together.